Good morning. I have just a couple of quick announcements for you this morning. The first one is just a reminder that the Young Professional Conference called SPARK is today, and it starts at 4 at the Northeast Church. And so I hope that some of you are planning to attend. I'm glad to hear that you're excited about it. We're excited to hear how that goes. Um, and so we look forward to you sharing what you learn with us today. And then the second thing is that we now have Venmo in order for you to be able to give. So several of you have expressed that that would make it easier for you, and so we've got that set up, and the information on how to access that, I hope, is on the screen behind me. <laughs> but if you need that information, um, if you don't get it all down right now, you can always ask after church. And that's all the announcements for this morning, so we're going to get to what we're really here for, the panel this morning. All right. Hey, panelists, you guys can go ahead and join us up here. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> we just like to keep you guessing, you know. It's a little bit of hazing for some of you who were, were here in Denton at one point, and now you left, and so we had to just make you feel a little bad, you know. Hello. I feel weird just not <laughs> saying anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, good morning. Hey, everybody. We've got a very special treat for you today. We are going to have a panel about basically sort of race, friendships, identity, following Jesus together. Just a couple easy topics to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And we have some super special guests. Some of these you guys will recognize. Some of you might, you might not recognize them, but um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves really quickly. You guys could give like just like your 20 second, 30 second intro real quick, so they'll know who you are and how cool you are. Uh, stop. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I'm Sandra Salvador. I graduated from UNT a couple years ago, and um, yeah, go Eagles. I am on staff uh, with Dallas College with Focus, um, so I've been there. This is my sixth year working on staff, and that is me. Um, I'm Adriana. And I went to TWU, so I think it's, I think it's this one. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I've been on staff for three, with Focus, um, for three years. And I don't know, that's 20 minutes, 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I'm Troy Coleman. I go to this church. <laughs> I've gone to this church since 2013 when it started, uh, when we were meeting in the BLB. Um, I went to UNT. I graduated in 2018, and that's it. That's me. Uh, oh, I'm Debbie Sustida. Um, my son, you saw him come in here. Uh, my son and my husband, Joe, and I are from Garland Church. Um, I, I guess I graduated from UTD a long time ago, probably longer than some of you guys have been alive. So, <laughs> But um, I'm a stay-at-home mom right now, and uh, yeah. Doing my deal. Hey guys, what's up? My name is Sirak. I, I went to UTD. Um, I don't go here, but I, I just do panels here. So I, <laughs> I'll be doing a panel here next week on uh, <laughs> dreadlock techniques. 
Looking forward to it. Well, thank you guys for coming, and uh, now you kind of know who you're hearing from. So as, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys got that sorted out now? Okay, all right, sweet. So as, as listeners, I just want to encourage us to like have the right posture, take a second before we really get into the questions to get into a mindset of listening, being open, being hearing some things you maybe haven't heard before, hearing some ideas you haven't heard before, hearing stories you haven't heard before, things that might cause you kind of get defensive or maybe um, who knows what you might feel. But just uh, if you can take a second to have an open mind and, and just hearing from our brothers and sisters here who are kind enough to come share their lives, their thoughts, their stories about their relationships with God with us, I think that would do us all very well. And also just have gratitude that they're here. So um, there's some verses that I, I wanted to read to kind of set the tone for us as listeners and learners in this. And so uh, this is in James chapter 1. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you all must be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it is the power to save our souls. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, um, Paul writes that, Therefore, I, prisoner, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. If you've been called by God, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and in all, living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. The same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of every new teaching and idea. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak, to the, speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That was good, Jam. Um, I'm Garvin, just in case you guys don't know my name. Okay. Uh, here's my intro to you guys, the panelists, just to uh, kind of set the scene for today. Um, I'm going to be off my phone. So thank you so much for being here and sharing yourself with us. Okay. And we know that today's topic. Uh, it's not easy and requires a lot of vulnerability on your part. Um, I don't know how you or how much navigating you have to do when thinking through these five questions, but regardless, we came up with the questions we believe 
will benefit our community the most and really, you know, bring us uh, closer to what God wants. And so we want to care about race the way God does and always had. And we want to be better friends uh, to each other and serve each other better. So thank you for sharing your lived experience with us, which brings me to my disclaimer, okay, <laughs> a little bit. Um, you know, you guys don't have to, I can get off my phone. <laughs> um, maybe you know this and maybe you don't. We ask you here. So whatever you decide to share today, don't feel the need to thank us for your lived experience, okay? And so you share, and at the end of it, we're gonna thank you guys for being vulnerable. All right, okay, let's pray. Lord, uh, give us a heart for your people. Help us to care about what you care about. Give us attentive ears and open hearts. Lord, break down our defenses so we can see you. Help us to seek to understand before being understood. Lord, thank you for making us different with different cultures and experiences, and somehow you find unity in all of it and demand us to do the same. So we just ask your spirit to fill this place and guide our hearts and let this conversation fall on good soil. Um, I pray, Lord, that we come with a posture of understanding and let us bring about change. Oh, my <laughs> I mean, I got my phone. Help us come in a posture of understanding uh, so we can bring about change. And um, yeah, Lord, we just thank you for today. All right. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's, uh, let's get into it. So our first question today is, um, how does your identity in Christ interact with your racial identity? And actually, when I was thinking about this question, too, you can also, like, even swap it out, too. You can be like, how does your racial identity identify with your Christ identity, considering you guys are your race, maybe before you guys became, like, Christians? I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. So whatever you feel comfortable. Um, yeah, I can go first. Uh, thank you guys um, for having us. And yeah, just to like echo what Garvin said is that I I wasn't supposed to say thank you. <laughs> Dang it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get One off the time. stage. <laughs> <laughs> I have three strikes. Um, yeah, these questions. Um, yeah, you guys will get to hear them, but they are very like personal to uh, us and to our experience. And yeah, it's just you you guys hear each of us share just know that like I'm sharing from like my experience and um, like my background. So each, you know, every L Latino person here has a different story and a different experience than, than I do. Um, but yeah, to answer this question, um, it was actually, it was a little, a little difficult um, because I, what I'm about to share, I don't think I've always thought like this. I think that this is kind of like a new like way of thinking probably in the past couple years, but I became a Christian um, through focus, maybe like, gosh, it's over. It's been over ten years, and and I think that when that like conversion happened, that there was this part of me that I believe that it's like, okay, well, I'm also like, when when Scripture talks about like the old has died, it's like that includes my ethnic background, that inclu includes my culture, and and so in a lot of ways, like I think for many years, I believed. Uh, that I that part of my identity had also died, um, and I think for the past few years I realized like no like like this is that my my culture and my identity is also part of God's creation like that like that is a gift and that can be a blessing and that is good and um, 
Yeah, and I and I it's not something that I have to like deny. Like that is if God has created it, like um like it is good. And um yeah, then that part of me like doesn't have to be erased, but it can be like celebrated. So that's something um I feel like maybe the past like two or three years I've like arrived there and and I'm still like learning to like to love that part of me as well. Um, yeah, for, for me, my identity in Christ interacting with my racial identity, I think, has been a journey for, for me as well, um, just like how our spiritual journey is a journey, and yeah. our racial identity, figuring out who we are, which is a question we're all answering. I think the racial element is a component of that who are we question that we're all trying to figure out. And I think for me, they both have interacted profoundly over the years, from the time I was four years old to 14 to 24, now at 34, the way I interact with these terms uh, carry tremendous weight. I know that for me as a black man, as an Ethiopian black man, I remember growing up and believing underneath everything that something was you know, may, maybe off with me, primarily due to the color of my skin. I, I remember leading worship for, you know, groups that were maybe primarily white or mostly white, and thinking in my head, man, I, I wish I was white so it would be less uncomfortable. <laughs> or or I, I remember wanting to go to a concert and thinking, man, I'm, I may be one of only a few handful of minorities there. I wish I didn't have to factor in buying a ticket to go to this concert to feel uncomfortable, man, something maybe something's off. Or maybe I would want to be selling a guitar on Craigslist, and I would think, well, shoot, the person buying this guitar is probably going to be white, and they're going to see me, and they're going to think whatever they're going to think, and there's too many uncontrollable variables. Maybe if I was you know, white, or if I wasn't my race, things would be easier, or things would be better or less uncomfortable. But then when I started following Jesus, I began internalizing this message from God that, no, no, not, no, I made you this way. Not only did I make you this way, but I love you. And not only do I love you, but I chose you, and I knit you in your mother's womb, and there's nothing wrong with you. And I began to wrestle with these messages that I've received somewhere along the way, and I began to interact with these new messages that God was handing to me. And it produced even more confusion, <laughs> and it produced even more anger because I had to wrestle with the pain that I was feeling. And so now, uh, you know, just like Sandra said, it probably wasn't until I was in my mid-20s, late-20s that I began just entertaining the idea that my racial identity is X. But that does not mean anything's wrong with me. Yeah. And... Um, I think that's one of the hurts of racism, is it one of the deep lasting effects of prejudice and bigotry is it convinces a generation of people that there's something intuitively wrong with them. And that if you're in another group, there's something explicitly better than. And when you believe these ideas, they really do determine the, your lived experience. And, I, and I, I got to see firsthand how that affected my life in those examples I gave and how Christ offered me a different path. Mm -hmm. 
and a different way of engaging with these things. Um, so yeah, they are both one for me, my racial identity and my spiritual identity. Yeah. But God's kind of helped mold that over time. That's really good. Let's have like one more person share. I forgot to set the scene, sorry guys. So each question, we're gonna try to gauge like 10 minutes. And um, so if everyone doesn't get an opportunity to share all five questions, uh, kind of like pick the ones that you really wanna talk about, you know? So Loki, we can move on because they did a great job. I'm joking. How about one more person? Uh, I'll go. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I relate a lot to what Sirach and Sandra have shared. Um, I think for me, though, initially, uh, it was quite challenging because I think I identified more with just my racial identity because that's all that I knew. I didn't grow up in the church. So this whole God deal and finding my identity in Christ was kind of like very foreign for me. Um and I think it wasn't until the past two years that I started really wrestling with what does it look like for me to find my identity in Christ and rather let that define me and not uh, these experiences, whether negative or positive, that I've had as a Latina. Um, and it made me think, I, I had a conversation at some point with Brandon because um, I was wrestling with an experience that I had um, and it, it's really stuck with me, but it was this idea of like hurt versus harm. Um, people will harm you and people will hurt you, but there's a huge difference. And I kind of wrote it down because I didn't want to like butcher it. Um, but the idea that pain hurt doesn't necessarily mean I've been harmed, which is harmed is like being wronged in a way that permanently damages you. Um, and then I started realizing of like, oh yeah, like, it's, it's not uh, that every white person is against me, um, but I have had experiences where like white people have directly harmed me, um, but I, I need to learn how to differentiate those things. Um, and, and that's just been very pivotal for me um, in just recognizing that, um, that, yeah, there's just a lot of pain there um, but I need to go back to Christ to realize, um, yeah, where my identity kind of lands on. But, yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for sharing. We can move to the next question. Um, did you want to ask this one? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, the next question is, what thing has been most difficult with your experience in a white majority uh, church? I've got two things. Um, the first is that um, there's not really any adult male leadership that looks like me in this church. Um, I think I'm probably the oldest black person that goes to this church, and I'm only 27. So that's been, that's been like the main thing that's been challenging, me, challenging for me to keep attending this church. But it's also been one of the main things that keeps me going to this church is so that I can be an example for other people that look like me. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is that um, sometimes it seems until recently with like the addition of the BIPOC team that a lot of the times we talk about race at this church reactively instead of proactively. So it's like, oh, this thing happened in the news. So I guess we're going to talk about race at church. Um, and that's been really difficult because it seems like, um, you know, like we're only talking about race because something happened. Um, and I know that situation is kind of tough because it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know? Cause like, if you don't talk about it, it's also bad. Um, 
so I guess those two things have been the most difficult things of attending a white majority church for me. Um, yeah, this is an interesting question because I think most of the spaces I've had to navigate uh, throughout school, work, friend groups, hobbies, have mostly been white spaces. And so church can just be an extension of kind of what it's like as a minority person when you're trying to navigate this world around you. Um, I had a football coach in seventh grade who for some reason like gathered all the black players. I went to Bowman Middle School in Plano and he pulled us off to the side one practice and he goes, boys, I want you, he's like, listen to me now. It's a white world out there and I'm trying to prepare you for it. <laughs> no, he was a, our coach was black. That was probably an important, <laughs> sorry. That's an important variable. Yeah. Important part, thank you. So yeah, black coach pulls all the players aside. I think there was probably a practice we were just like acting like a bunch of fools and like just saying like white people are this or that. I don't know what we were doing, but he pulled us aside and we were all, obviously we're in like seventh grade. We don't, we, don't, we don't know what he means. We don't know what he means by the world out there. But I think what he was trying to do was tell us if you're gonna, this world is gonna involve you learning how to navigate different spaces and different cultures and different personality types and different temperament levels. And if you just stick to the one way of doing things, it's gonna end up hurting you, then it will help you. And so my experience in navigating white spaces has been learning how to navigate cultures, learning how to navigate races, learning how to, like Andre, uh, sorry, Adriana said, navigate harm from hurt, knowing that the work I get to do in my life is on the backs of brilliant minority men and women who have come before me that have allowed me the space and opportunity to be on a panel like this, to get to lead, to get to teach, to get to not only love, but even disciple people of different cultures. Yeah. Um, I think that um, it has been hard. There's no way to dance around it. It's difficult. It's hard, diversity is hard, um, because you have to work through and navigate through people's ignorance. Yeah. And people have to navigate through my ignorance. It's, it really is a two-way street. Yeah. The, the comments of Oh, Serac, you're, you're not really black. Serac, you're our affirmative action member. Serac, you're our, our token black person that we have here. Oh, isn't it nice we have a black person doing so-and-so? I, I, I remember I was in uh, UTD Focus my senior year, and I, um, I had a poster of MLK in my bedroom, and we had an after event at my apart apartment. It's probably fi 15 of us, probably 13 or so of the people there were white. A few of them were in my bedroom, and then one of them said, Sirak, why do you have a poster of MLK in your bedroom? We all know you're not black. We all know that racism's dead. And not only that, but they began laughing. And you know, I went to bed that night feeling, maybe I should take down my MLK poster. Maybe I am not really black. These, and these kinds of hurtful things can end up really harming you if you believe it, yeah. if you play that game, if you entertain it, but I think God has been good to help me forgive myself in the moments that I stayed silent when I should have spoken up. Yeah. God's helped me forgive people that have maybe made ignorant comments to me along the way. So it is difficult. It is hard. 
I think it was hard for the Corinthian church to figure out how to do life together. <laughs> I think it was hard for the church in Ephesus to figure out what do we do now that we have prostitutes and landowners and slaves and slaves. We're all going to church together and we're trying to be free in Christ. What does that mean? It's, there's no way around it. Um, but I'm honored to be a part of a community that's saying, let's step into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think God's given me a unique perspective to really see the burden placed on my white brothers and sisters that are forced to maybe step out of a world that they've been handed. I think there's a tremendous amount of grace that we as minorities can offer as we walk alongside people as they step into these conversations that maybe they're stepping into for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been hard. And I'm going to honor the pain that I've experienced. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't tell you those stories of my past from a place of anger. I really think that God gave me those experiences to learn mm -hmm. and to see because there was a time when minorities weren't even able to apply to that school to get into that dorm, to put up that MLK poster, to get laughed at by their white friends. <laughs> so there's space to recognize where you're at and be okay with it while still feeling what you need to, to feel finding what you need to feel, and then freeing it, you know? That's all. Yeah, That's all I got to say about, about that. Three more minutes left. Thanks, Sirac. It took seven. <laughs> seven I just, I knew it. Once we, like, Sirac being in that group text, I'm like, he's going to talk. Yeah, he's yeah. going to talk. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think for me, I think... Um, what I thought about was just sometimes, you know, in like white majority churches, we have a lack of just open dialogue about these situations and these um, issues, not because um, that they couldn't be spoken about, but more of like how uncomfortable it would be. And so we choose to, to maybe have other kinds of sermons or other kinds of themes throughout our, our months together. Um, instead of like something that would be uncomfortable. But I can't remember who it was up, who was up here earlier today saying, um, maybe it was Don, talking about just being comfortable in the uncomfortable and how um, that really resonated with me just thinking about, you know, that church is supposed to be our safe place. It's supposed to be a place where we can come together and talk about these difficult things and not feel, um, you know, uh, attacked or not feel like um, we can't speak up. And so so uh, I just feel like a, a, as a, a church community, I think um, it would just, it would be so great to be able to really, um, I think, bring up some of these difficult difficult talks and just to be able to say, okay, it's, it's safe for you to say what you're thinking here. It's safe for you to share what you've been through, like, you know, what Saraka's talking about and, and that, um, that we can, um, I guess just that we can present that also to the community that church is more than just, you know, um, I don't know, like high church where you come and, and um, dress up and you, and you hear about a sermon and then you just, and then you go home or you go to lunch, you know, that it's, it's more, it's a place of healing and it's a place of being able to come together and, and speak about the hard things and the, the, the difficult things that we go through in our life. Um, I can, are we moving on? Can I share? <laughs> okay, great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna just read what I what I wrote. But yeah, well, a big thing that I notice is that uh, there are like a lot of contradictions and and cultural values that sh that have shown up in like my my discipleship journey and um, 
And I think I like always like assume that it's like, well, the majority is right and I am wrong. So therefore like, yeah, like my cultural values like must be wrong, which kind of goes along with that first question. Um, but yeah, but like this is like, but the reality is like, yeah, my culture really like has influenced my, my walk with God and the way that I see the world. And, and I do have something to offer to the majority culture um, and bring perspective into that. But I think in, um, on the other hand of that is like what's really difficult is to just like speak up and say that because it is very scary when everyone else's experience is not your own. And I think I've often, what keeps me from like speaking up and sharing that is that I, I'm often believing this narrative of like, well, I need to grow up. Like I, I'm being too sensitive. I'm being too, you know, what, whatever that is. And, and it always becomes like very negative and, um, yeah, like towards like my own like cultural, like, like I meant like I become negative and like uh, in regard to like my own like cultural uh, lenses and um, and values and stuff. And so that's probably been the most difficult to like to like speak up from this place of of like, no, this is like my experience. This is how I'm viewing the situation and like being bold in that because I think it's yeah, it's just intimidating to be like to be a minority and to be a voice in that when like everyone around, like when the majority is white. But that's what I have to say. That connects really well to our next question, um, which is just what are some unhelpful things that people tend to say about race that make friendship with those people more difficult for you guys? And then as a sort of secondary question, just what, what helpful ways have you found to address that with them? Okay, I'll talk. Um, so something that I feel like when that people unhelpful um, things people have said are that they're maybe tired of hearing about um, racial issues or they're tired of addressing them. And um, I just when I when I think about that, it just makes me think about the fact that like um, personal inconvenience just should not be the reason why we negate others' feelings or that it shouldn't be a reason for us to not talk about the difficult things, you know, that um, that we have to kind of grow up and be adults, you know, and, and talk about stuff that are that are hard and be uncomfortable. And, and that, that, you know, just that weariness, sorry, weariness and like fatigue um, shouldn't keep us from doing good, shouldn't keep us as followers of Christ to, um, you know, to not live the way that that um, we're expected to live, and that it, yeah. um, you know, that as followers of Christ, like, aren't we expected to live in a different way? And so, if that's true, then we should live that way, right? Sorry. That, um, and and then, of course, like, how how can we show others that um, we are different from the world, or that we want to choose to live differently than the world if we don't do that? Like, if how. It's like, you know, how can we teach it if we don't live it? Um, and, and then how can we love people where they're at if we don't address where they're at? One unhelpful statement um, that people make regarding race is that 
especially in the church, is that my identity is only in Christ um, as opposed to my race, as if I have to, like, switch between being a Christian and a black man um, when I'm both. Um, and those identities can exist. They can coexist at the same time. Um, Jesus chose to be born as a Jewish man, and he used that to preach the gospel. He went to Jewish festivals. He went to, to the synagogue. Um, so I think it's more important to first, like, explore how those identities intersect with each other so that I can preach the gospel like Jesus. Um, yeah. I wanted to add to that. Um, something that you said reminds me of actually your sermon, Sandra. And I think you talked about this in, uh, in Plano. And it was like your final point. And it talked about, like, um, well, you gave two questions to extend our thinking past just finding our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? You Let me look at the notes. Yeah, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I, I was like, oh, wait. I was like, Sandra's sermon. I got notes on this because I listened to it. Um, you, I wasn't prepared. You, had, <laughs> you said it. Okay. Uh, you asked two uh, follow-up questions. And it was, uh, what is the image that my friends are believing about themselves? And then you asked, um, how am I contributing to this? Yeah. And I think that kind of bypasses, or at least makes us think deeply about why we're just so quick to say, find your identity in Christ, mm -hmm. as if, you know, like what Troy said, as if we can switch back and forth between our races. Yeah. And yeah. so those two questions, I think, really um, adds a lot of depth past it, and it forces whoever is just so quick to just kind of spew the words to think uh, deeply about why they've been mm -hmm. like so fixed on just bringing that to the light. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like we're saying finding your identity in Christ is not important, it's extremely important. It's more so like a questioning for yourself. Yeah. Like you're asking yourself these things, which then reveals your biases towards what you're leading with. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was a pretty good point. I remember it now, I remember I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think with, with along with that, I was just thinking about like, yeah, that I think I made that point because it's like, yeah, I felt this. I what I believed is that my like identity in Christ is just I just feel small, you know. And I think it's not just like it's like we get that like out in the world and in the church, and it's like yeah, like every space like can make me feel small, and and I think that is like. The, the the church's like role in a way is to like remind me of that identity but also like yeah like yeah just remind me of it and so I, I think that's kind of where I was where I was going with with that and um yeah what have been some unhelpful things people say about race um I think assumptions are are a big deal um if if like people um I think that's probably been the most common in the church, like people assuming like, it's like, okay, well, even like growing, uh, like growing up, like um, like a lot of people like assume like my parents like weren't citizens and, um, and so like they would treat my parents like that and treat me like that, like, and so like things like that, that there's like a lot of like more assumptions because I think, uh, you know, in, in Texas we get this like, it, like the Latino culture is pretty, it's pretty predominant. And so um, there wasn't like a lot of like question asking or like getting to understand, but more of like, well, like 
does your family do this? Like, are they doing, like, you know, it's more like those, like, questions that already come with this, like, notion of, like, oh, like, I already understand you, but I'm like, but you don't. Um, so that's the main thing, like, one of the things that I thought about that can be, like, unhelpful and, um, and how have I, what was the second part? How have I addressed them? <laughs> addressed them? I mean, yeah, it really is just talking about it. It's just, like, I mean, I, I have a heart. I'm such a people pleaser. And so some sometimes there's this, like, a bit of boldness of, like, oh, no, no, I need to speak up. I need to say, I need a corrector. This is going to, like, they're going to keep believing this um, about me and or about, like, Latino, like, people. And um, and so there's, yeah, I, I have found that in, um, yeah, one-on-one -on -one is probably the most helpful way to do that. And, um, yeah. So but just being bold and having in the moment and not because like you can I have there's been situations where I would like hold on to hurt or hold on to a specific thing someone said and didn't speak up. And then I'm like, why didn't I like it's going to be more painful bringing it up later <laughs> uh, because it's yeah. So I could go on. But That's good. <laughs> that was great, actually. I feel like I just rambled. <laughs> no, no, that was good. Um, I guess I have one tiny thing I want to add to that. Maybe you guys touched on it a little bit. But just like, I guess, invalidating like emotions, um, I yeah. think it's extremely important. Um, because when it comes to like racial topics, racial issues, it's such a heart thing. And I think a lot of times um, we're just trying to make sense of everything that's difficult. And um, so... Like the numbers and the facts, the statistics, like if you're like more inclined to just kind of lean and lead with that, um, I, it's just not helpful at all. Um, there is not a number or any type of percentage that's going to like in a way like get me to think like, okay, yeah, you're right. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. 32%. Okay, sure. Fantastic. Yeah. But like it's, it's not really helpful. And so um, I guess yeah. invalidating emotions is extremely big because, uh, and acknowledgement, because um, to reconcile anything, you have to acknowledge it. It's like the first, the first step, awareness. And um, I think a lot of times we may want the, the healing aspect without the, uh, the initialness, which is the acknowledgement. And so there's no healing without acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so uh, to reconcile, you gotta kind of go back. But um, yeah, so. I have something to add to that. Sure. I know we're just limited, but I don't care. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think along, along with that, um, using language like you're just too emotional. Um, and I think we have to remember that when we're hurting, whether brown or colored or, not, or whatever, uh, Jesus is hurting too. Um, and I think we forget that so much because, yeah, this is a hard topic and it is challenging and it will probably be a conversation that we have ongoing, um, and so what? Um, and so I, I think just remembering to be patient and to be there with those people, um, and sometimes it's not, we don't need you to say something. Sometimes you just have to hear people out. Um, and the other thing was, oh yeah, when people are sharing their personal experiences that are hard, it's something just very vulnerable that you're coming to someone and for you to just get defensive or use things like, well, you didn't use scripture when you shared that experience. I'm like, oof, 
Jesus. Uh, like when people came and approached Jesus, I don't think they came using scripture to validate where they were coming from. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes we just have to uh, change our posture that we're coming in when we're hearing some of our brothers and sisters with these conversations. So, That's really good. Which brings us to our fourth question, um, which is, can you describe a time when you felt heard by a friend of a different race? You don't got to start it, Gianna. She's like, do I start? Oh, no. So this, this to me is a really interesting question because, um, and I know we're all on the stage talking about these topics, but we very well could arrive at five different places on some of these questions. And I think there's gotta be space for that. A conviction that I have right now in my life is that I, wanna, I want to be the kind of disciple, the kind of follower of Jesus that there's nothing that you could say, helpful or unhelpful, however I want to categorize what those are, that will keep me from loving you. Yeah. That will keep me from keeping my heart open to you. Because the important thing in these conversations is that we keep our hearts open to one another regardless of how helpful or unhelpful they are, which the irony in that is that is I become the judge of what's helpful and what's unhelpful. I become the jury of what's helpful and what's unhelpful. Who knows if half the things I say to my wife are helpful or unhelpful. I'm grateful that she chooses to love me. I used to enter racial conversations with the idol of I want to be heard, I want to be seen, I want to be noticed. Underneath it all is I just want to connect with people. But the truth is, is that I control that. I control the extent in which I can connect with people or not, because I know my capacity to close my heart to people. Yeah. A few weeks ago, I was telling a story about how during COVID, a Christian leader said to me, I, I, I hadn't seen him in a while, he approached me in his opening line, I was like, how's it going, man? He goes, Serac, I think the United States is the best country in the world for black people to live. That was his opening line. <laughs> what you say, uncle, what you say? <laughs> now, Many of you in this room, would, would you raise your hand if you think that's a helpful statement? <laughs> and I felt unseen. I felt unheard. It was in the midst of the protests. It was in the midst of race becoming at a level 10 national dialogue. There was this cosmic spiritual awakening happening, and he says that to me. Now, in that moment, I felt triggered. I felt hurt. I felt very unseen. I felt my heart closing to him. So I asked him, but, but I didn't choose that path. Yeah. I chose, what's the best, what's, what's the worst country in the world for black people to live in? Let's play. Because in my <laughs> mind, in my mind, he's saying, to, in my mind, he's 
coming out to play, you know? In my mind, he's, because I'm, I'm a big fan of being heard. I'm also a big fan of letting people talk, yeah. letting people share. And I said, well, in your opinion, what's the worst country in the world for black people? Well, I don't know. What's, let's keep playing. What's the best country in the world for white people? What's the worst country? What's at the root of this question? And we, we, we ended up having a conversation about race. And he is where he is. Yeah. He's in his late 60s. He was probably raised in a completely different world, completely different ecosystem than I was. And he was handed stories that he's wrestling, wrestling with. But I don't want what I am judging as helpful or unhelpful to keep me from keeping my heart open to him. And that, to me, is the message that the church can offer, yeah. that the world has forgotten. Yeah. Because in the racial conversation at large, as you'll notice, people's hearts close to one another. Mm -hmm. When are moments that I feel heard is when people keep their hearts open. Mm -hmm. They're able to hold what they've been handed with an open hand and look at it, and look at what I've been handed with an open hand and we can keep our hearts open to each other. Casey Worsham is someone that I really want to honor. During COVID, I, uh, I just made a Facebook post, and I was like, it seems like everyone's talking about race. Here's seven or eight books that, if you're interested in learning about it, you should read about it. He's, he just finished book number four, and he'll text me, and we'll talk about it. It shows that he's stepping into these conversations, and he's learning, and he's loving it. They're, doing, they're talking about it at East Plano. And I really, I really feel heard and feel really seen by Casey. But I'm not, my, my standard isn't being seen or heard. My standard is love. Yeah. Keeping our hearts open to each other. So yeah. Anyone else want to yeah. attempt? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot too, about how, it's like, yeah, that's how the, the, the world, I, I said this at East Plano a couple weeks ago, it's like, yeah, the world functions like that of like, you either get me or like, you can follow me or get out of my way type thing. And, and even looking into like, I do see like how much like, you know, cancel culture and this like dismissing of people is like seeping into the church. And like, it, yeah, it's just, it's just been sneaking in and, and just like, wait, what? Like, like how, how, like, how are we cool with it? Like, how are we cool with us, like, looking like culture, you know, looks like? And, and I think that we should be very, you know, aware of, of how, like, the ways in, in our hearts that, like, we're rejecting others or, um, or just kind of, like, believing lies about others. We're, like, you know, kind of close our, ourselves to, like, oh, yeah, this person has no redemption. I'm, like, that is nasty. That is, like really nasty behavior and um, to believe about people. And also it's like, what does that say about also like my sin? And it's like, okay, like, <laughs> you know, the measure, that measure will be used to me too. And it's like, and I am like, where do I land on that? And um, so, yeah, that's just something that I, I have been thinking of. And um, yeah, and, and I think the, 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 the question was like, how have you been, uh, yeah, have you been heard by a friend of a different race? And, um, I, yeah, I mean, there, there's been a, a lot of, uh, like, helpful things. I think questions are a big deal. But 
I am, you know, the weight of it in my heart is really is like somebody that is interested in in my culture and my family and um, and so that's been like probably like one of them the most like uh, yeah loving things like where I feel the most love where people just want to like be a part of the things like my family does and the things that I like grew up loving and um, and that just opens a you know a door to like um, to talk about my experience and um, yeah so that's been been really sweet uh, yeah I, I even think about like you know my relation my relationship with Chelsea like Chelsea like my parents like love her like she's part of our family and I think that that took a lot of like work from her part to you know be uncomfortable and come into a space of like like yeah I am the only white person here and and uh that's okay and so I think some of that is um yeah it's really meaningful that that it's like oh I don't have to be the only person stepping into uh like yeah majority white culture but like people are invited to come into like my home and be a part of that as well. And so that's been sweet and helpful. I have, I have a small thing to add, and this might be um, a little too meta, maybe for some of you. It's gonna be kind of out in the clouds statement. These but are I think my favorite Serac moments. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, like nothing exists, and no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> That was for Grant. I just wanted to say that for Grant Trotter. Um, in, in these types of conversations that um, we end up touching on a pulse in one another that we can't, we can't help but react to it. It's like when a good physical therapist finds that spot on your body and they press into it, you just react to it. Your whole body reacts to it. You can't avoid it. But it's showing you there's a part of you that needs to be healed a little bit, needs to be rolled out a little bit. When you, when you react with that degree of defensiveness or fear or anger or shame or, or pride, whatever it might be, it's showing you something about you that needs to be pressed into a, a little bit. Because... We can't depend on one another to be the source that helps us feel heard. That only comes from God. It only comes from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But if there's someone or some group of people or some type of political party or some ideology that when you hear it, it triggers you over and over and over again, the solution isn't for them to change, but that is revealing something about you that you need to let God into. Yeah. A part of you that needs healing. A part of you that needs to be looked, in, looked at and given your attention to. Because I think Jesus was right when he said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and you refuse to even address the plank in your own? And Jesus was right when he said, don't judge. Don't judge. Don't even play that game. Because you, you can know how to correct someone 
without condemning them. You can learn how to love someone without leaving them. And in these racial conversations, there's a pr profound amount of correction that needs to happen in others, but particularly in ourselves. Because the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and then what? Gentleness. You can't avoid it. Gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the fruits that mark the people of God. And in so many of these conversations, I see such a lack of gentleness, such a lack of self-control, an overabundance of condemning, an overabundance of fear. So we need to be heard by God. And these are all, all these reactions we're having, I believe, are tapping into healing that needs to happen in our own lives. Just wanted to frame that, so... Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Sarek. Um, we're going to move into our last question. <laughs> Wait, why y'all? Listen, man, nothing We're, we're going to box after this. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Yeah, let's move into our last question for today. And it's, uh, let me find it. Question five. It's here. Got it. Um, what are some helpful things you would suggest to our community as we think through growing in our diversity as a church and diverse friendships. Maybe like think in practicals. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, which it's kind of been mentioned, but I think there's oftentimes just a huge lack of grace um, and recognizing that we're gonna have to get dirty with this in some ways and we are going to disagree and um, we are feelings will get hurt um, but we need to remember to be still be Jesus to people and remember that um, whether of color or not we're made in God's image and so um, we can't forget to extend grace and we can't just stay in this place of anger and frustration um, but we have to come to God, and we have to seek discernment um, in that. And I think oftentimes we just stay in this anger and frustration, and um, we just are mad at the church, and um, and that's not true. Because um, there is, in some ways, some growth that's being made, and we also have to praise God for the fact that we are even sitting here having these conversations. Um, like, that's worth praising God, because I have friends from other churches where they don't feel welcome. They're not having these conversations. Um, I think of how you guys are doing this, and I'm over here at Wiley, where it's predominantly white. Um, and I could easily just say, man, like, let me dip out of this church because um, I don't feel like seen or there's not a lot of diversity here. But um, a question that I've been wrestling with um, is if, if not I, then who? Um, and so, yeah, and I've just seen little and little uh, more growth and progress. Um, and yeah, I wish everything, everyone would agree with me and we would be all like happy and whatever, but that's not reality. Um, but that's okay because God is bigger um, and yeah, will be with us through that. 
I think something practical for me is if you're if your spiritual path following Jesus, if your racial awareness path as you learn and grow and expand, if any of that involves making more enemies, you're probably going down the wrong path. But if it involves a more expansiveness of love, if you begin, because if you want to understand people, you have to love them. And if you want to love people, you have to understand them. But if along the way, you find you're, you're pointing the finger more, you're making more enemies versus more people to love, more people to understand, you're, you're, you're going down the wrong path in terms of following Jesus. Another thing, and this has been kind of my statement of faith, my, my, my mantra over the last few years, it's you have to honor people where they're at. In my opinion, there's no way around it. You, there has to be space for people that are entering the conversation for the first time, people who have been in the conversation for a long time, people in the conversation to make ignorant statements, people in the conversation to learn something new. But nonetheless, you have to honor people where they're at. Honoring people doesn't mean that you don't correct them. It doesn't mean that you stop it doesn't mean that you stop asking for discernment. You have to honor yourself where you're at as well. If you're in this room and you're a minority, there's nothing wrong with you. Honor that. If you're in this room and you're white, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. If you want to love people, you have to understand them. And if you want to understand people, you must love them. And if along the way you find yourself pointing the finger more, judging more, making more enemies, then you're going down the wrong path. My advice, or was it practical? It can be both, I suppose. Okay. My practical, practical advice yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> is similar to Sir X. I mean, I guess it's been echoed throughout this whole time is just to listen to one another with a heart of love and patience. Um, and that goes like to people of color and to white people, just to listen to what people are saying, not to respond, but to hear, to hear who they, what they're saying, who they are. And also in that moment, listen to what God is saying to you through them, um, especially within the church, because we're people who have God's spirit within us. Um, so yeah, his spirit will speak to us and through us. Yeah, I just want to echo on that. Just like when you do speak or when you do decide to respond, to respond with lots of thoughtfulness. Um, you know, when we think about how we really speak, I think a lot of times we're like, oh, let me just tell you what I think. But, but I think it's so much more important when you're in that situation to speak with um, thoughtfulness, to think before you speak and to consider what you're going to say and how it will um, affect this person you're speaking to, you know, and, and not just like blurting it out because that's what, that's what you've been taught or it's what you know or whatnot. Um, and then also I think like what Sirak was saying about how um, Casey stepped up and did some research, did some reading, like I think it's great to make space in your life to understand other cultures, to understand other races by doing some more studying, mm -hmm. to, to, you know, like not just rely on what like, you know, 
the Texas school board has decided to let you learn or whatever, but to learn outside of that. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Nobody's holding you back from reading a book about, you know, like, um, I don't know, Asian culture and what Asians have done in the United States and how long they've been here. Like, a lot of people don't know, you know, we just don't know, and so we feel threatened by that, and then, um, and then, you know, even if it is your own race, it, it doesn't matter, like, just learning and educating yourself about, like, you know, other people in our country, I think, is helpful, and, and it can't ever hurt to have more knowledge, right, about, about what's going on and what has happened, so, and, and then just, um, I think another thing is just being aware, being aware that we all need to do better, like, we've, we've talked about it up here, but, you know, knowing that, um, and being okay with it, being okay with knowing that, okay, we can do better, we can grow, because, you know, we don't want to be, like, um, stale people, right? You want to be refreshed, and you want to, like, learn and grow, and, and that, that only enhances your own life when you do do that, so just to be aware of it. And then also, sorry, one last thing is, is finding, um, like, people of color, finding the pride in your culture. And, and if you don't know a lot about your culture, then learn more about it. Learn about, like, I, I was telling my husband recently, like, I've been reading this, some books about just, like, um, Asian American history and being so, like, blown away by um, just the history of Asians in America and what does that even look like and, and like, learning things that I've never known. and. And finding pride in that, because there's no, there's nothing wrong with having pride in the culture that you have. And 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 um, so, yeah. That's good stuff. Oh, Actually, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just have yeah t uh, a couple things. Um, yeah, I th the first one kind of goes along with what people have been saying. But um, yeah, I having these conversations from a heart of like like being people's biggest fan and the church's biggest fan, I think that it is very easy to, to, to criticize and to like break things, you know, tear things down and stuff. But I like, I, I love our, our church. And, um, and I think that there is this, like I'm stepping into these conversations from, from that posture of like, not to like, break the, you know, tear the church apart, but it's, like, from a place of, of love, because I love it. I, I want to be talking about these things, and I want to have grace uh, for people in the church, and um, so that's one of, one of the things, and then the second is uh, be willing to, because I think diversity, like, it it's, can sound nice as, like, a, um, you know, kind of like, like a concept or like something like we want to like grow in, but like be willing to, in your friendships, like talk about like the diversity between you and your friends. And, um, and also like, it's okay to like, to feel that pain. And I don't know, I think sometimes we're afraid of that. I think we're afraid of like, um, yeah, like stepping into like painful conversations, but I think part of di diversity is that, is that like, yeah, we're, we're going to feel pain. And also we're not, sometimes we're not going to know what to say. And like, that is okay. Um, yeah. So that's just a couple things. That was really good. Um, <clears throat> I have one, I guess one thought to share um, relating to this question. I think um, kind of echoing off what you said about diversity, Sandra, um, 
diversity takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, authentic diversity, I think, takes a lot of work. And it's just, it, it bypasses race, it bypasses your skin. And it does require a lot of, um, echoing off what you said about reading, I, I think it's really important to build that um, muscle for reading. Only because, one, it shows that you just care about the topic that's being talked about. You're not just relying on like your friends or the, the, your black and brown people to educate uh, you. And there's, there's some work that needs to get, that needs to also, that you should put in as well. So I think that's also important. And um, I guess one thing I wanted to also bring up is just like with these hard topics, um, I think of this one podcast that we listened to um, for BIPOC team, like As in Heaven, and they talked about like this calling out like the sin of like racism and like in the church, how we should just, we should see it as that and not being afraid to like call that out. And um, how, you know, like sin is like, honestly, just out to get us all, regardless of your race. And so if we kind of approach sometimes difficult conversations like this, like I want the best for you, you want the best for me, because at the end of the day, it's out to get us all. And uh, we all have something to, um, you know, to help with that. And so that kind of brings us to our resources that uh, I guess we can talk about a little bit, right? Um, yeah, so at DNC, we have a resource list of just different books and podcasts that you guys can listen to after this conversation. Um, we know that one hour is not enough time to talk about all of you know, the deep topics that we can get into. And let these questions be a guiding point within your weeks that you guys can bring up to uh, you know, just within your small groups, within your week, within your coworkers, uh, they're pretty good stuff. So we can move our feet and be you know practical about it. Um, yeah, I talked about the resources. You guys have any like uh, I guess any books or anything that you guys been reading that you may want to suggest to our our congregation? I have one. <laughs> I, <laughs> I ask the question, then I ask it. Okay, no, answer it, huh? Okay. Um, yeah, the Issa Macaulay book, Reading While's Black, I think it's such a great book. We got a chance to read it during the cohort, and um, it just really put a lot of, I think it put words into what I've been thinking a whole lot, especially when dealing with how do I see myself within the narrative of the Gospels as a black man. It's uh, Reading While's Black by uh, Issa Macaulay. Oh, while my bad, Sierra. <laughs> she doesn't even go here. I know. She had to come here and like tell me what the book is. <laughs> She's always trying to get me. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is wild. Dude, she doesn't even go here, man. I don't know what's going You don't even go here. What are you talking about? Yeah. Any other resources, guys? Um, a book that I continually re recommend is if you're interested in the history of race and the church in the United States and just how the church has responded to the issue of race over the last couple hundred years. It's called Divided by Faith by uh, Michael Emerson. It's a really easy to read book. It's full of um, personal interviews over the years that he's made with, that he's had with people. He's a pastor and he's a sociologist um, who lives in, I think, the Midwest somewhere. And it's, it's been a, a really interesting book, kind of sad at times, really redemptive at times. It's called Divided by Faith. Um, so, yeah. Um, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but um, I just think scripture. Um, <laughs> but but I, I just, 
I just think sometimes we forget that that's like a huge source for us. Um, there was so much division in the church. And I think we can look at, I think of Romans 15, how uh, Paul is encouraging to welcome all these Christians that disagree with them. And I think oftentimes within the church, what I see is that we just want to push those people away that don't agree with me. And that's not, that's not Jesus. That's not what Paul was saying here. Um, so I think for me, that's been very helpful in thinking through some of this in my attitude and posture. So, um, I don't know what's on that list, but I think Santa Biblia is on that. Fray Gonzalez is on that list. Um, I, uh, yeah, this, I think this was a Zerac recommendation. Dis, uh, Disunity in Christ by Christina Cleveland is really good. Um, I also just have, I love fiction, and I think that it can be really helpful to understand culture. And so, but I'll share those later. Um, <laughs> but uh, let me see. There's There was a third one, and I forgot. Oh, I'm reading, um, I just started reading uh, this book called Brown Church by, I think, Chow is his last name, C-H-A-O. Um, Yes, that's also good. Awesome. So we have uh, several books and, oh, my bad. Were you going to say something? Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, sorry, real quick. The, a book that I've really been enjoying is it's called The Making of Asian America. It's by Erica Lee. So if you guys are interested in, in reading that. There's an article that I'm going to recommend also. It's called Our Pain is Not Your Classroom. It takes like 20 minutes to read. Um, it's by Jennifer Williams and it's free to read online. Um, two of those resources that are, are on our resource list is just on our website. If you go to DentonOrChurch.com and you tap the, I think the content tab, you'll see a document called Race, Caring About Race and Racism Like God Does. And several of those resources are in there, but some of them are not. So we'll, if you guys wouldn't mind like emailing this to us so we can get them to people in our newsletter or something, I'm sure that, <laughs> I'm sure that people are trying to write them down as fast as they could. Maybe the Bible get all is of one them. of those. Yeah. It's B-I-B-L-E, I think is how you... And who's that by? <laughs> so no, we never read it. <laughs> What's it? I've never read it. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Um, so let's just give a hand to our panelists here. Thank you guys so much. I know for sure that this is something I'll be thinking about for a while. The Holy Spirit was really speaking to me about some specific things I was hearing live, but I'm going to listen to this again when the recording's posted. I encourage all of you guys to do the same um, and just really spend some time thinking about what God might be saying to you through our friends here. And I want to ask uh, two things we could do to close us. Troy, for one, could I put you on the spot and see if you could read the poem that you wrote that we heard last week? Yes. Um, and then while he's pulling that up, I'd also like to ask at least two of you guys to just pray for our community and, for, and over us to close, close us out. So Troy can go first, and then two of you guys just volunteer to, to pray for us. The great sculptor invites us to join him in his work, taking us from dry, craggly clay, molding us to look, look like him. He invites us to be his image bearers, showing those around us his glory. They will know we are Christians by our love. We are the work of God's hand, whom he called to community with one another, community that knows, shares, loves, celebrates, and mourns with one another in gladness. They will know we are Christians by our love, not changing or hiding who we are because he made us this way. Our different racial, ethnic, and cultural backgrounds in his perfect image 
unified in the fact that our Lord died and rose again so that we may live life to the full. The fullness of knowing him and showing others who he is, they will know we are Christians by our love. The great sculptor is pleased as he sees his perfect plan coming together. All of his works, despite their unique differences, reflecting his goodness, bearing his image, and loving the rest of his creations as he loves them. They will know we are Christians by our love. Um, Father God, Lord, we, yeah, we just thank you for making each of us, uh, yeah, uniquely different and in your image, Lord. And, and I know that for some hearing that, um, it brings a lot of pain. It brings a lot of, a lot of shame. And, um, Lord, we just want to be reminded that you, you are, you are not a God of shame and, and that you see our pain, Lord. And, um, yeah, I, I just pray that these conversations will, will lead us to love more and to be more like you, Lord, and, um, and not, we don't want to look like the world, we want to look like you, Christ, and, yeah, and I just pray that, uh, yeah, you continue um, revealing the, the things in our heart uh, uh, where there might be, um, yeah, just just anger and, and and shame and all of these things, Lord, and I, and I just uh, lift those things up to you, and um, yeah, and I just pray that uh, you fill us with um, with more of you. Anyways, can I pray? Father, we just um, yeah, we ask for just tremendous tremendous discernment um, yeah. as we navigate community, as we navigate a world that seems to be changing at a rate that is faster than we can keep up with. Um, I pray that we would be the people that would unconvince ourselves that we are just purely rational beings that by learning a new thing, by reading a new book, that we would somehow change, but that we would know that the way you change people is through a change of heart, yeah. through a change of perception, through a change of love. We know that we love because we were loved, and we know that we give because you were the first to, to give and that we would never lose that message in a world that tells us to continually take and exploit and objectify, that we wouldn't be convinced that we have what it takes to solve any problem, but that we would know that you are the one that holds all things together, mm-hmm. that all problems are, are solved in you, and that all love flows from you who lives in us. I pray that through DNC, that it would become a hub, that it would become a space, that it would become um, a resting ground for so many people in the city of Denton to remember these truths and to be, as you call us to be, the light of the world. I pray that we would be so aware of that light inside of us that we wouldn't look to others 
to mirror back that light that we have, but that we would have a deep confidence of where that light comes from, and that we would bring that into these spaces, um, that we would see underneath issues and see the heart of the problem, the source of the problem, and that we would go there. God, I pray that we would not avoid pain because we know that avoiding pain creates more pain. I pray that we would be comfortable in pain and comfortable in suffering to know that you're with us. Um, I just thank you for this church. I really honor this church for creating this kind of space to talk about these kinds of things. I honor everyone in this room. I pray that paths would be laid, that the next generation can go further than we've gone. Mm -hmm. They can have conversations that we could only dream of having because yeah. um, of the work that you're doing in us here today. I pray you'd help us remain faithful and stay faithful, never letting go of your message. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.